Hello and welcome to Return to Zero, International Women's Day episode. At a time when diversity and gender disparity in music has received a lot of attention and positive initiatives to help redress the balance, today we shine a light on the consistently small numbers of women working in sound roles and consider if enough is being done to change this. In recent years, organisations dedicated to encouraging female-identifying and non-binary people into sound-related careers have cropped up globally. Organisations such as Women in Live Music, That's Sound, Music Production for Women, Saffron, Sound Girls and Women's Audio Mission are just some of the ever-growing groups that can be found online. As many of these are social enterprises, it also raises the question, if the key organisations in music provided the same development funding as that available now to performers, would we see real change then? Return to Zero spoke to three women working in different areas of sound to talk about their experiences and views on this. In part one, we hear from Diane Jardin, a dubbing mixer and studio owner who started out on her own in 2014 and now also lectures at Glasgow Clyde College. She is joined by Carla Feuerstein, a live sound engineer who works with top bands in the folk scene such as Heisk and the Paul McKenna Band and who can regularly be found behind the desk in St Luke's Drygate, SWG3 and Glad Cafe in Glasgow. Okay, welcome Diane and Carla. Thanks very much for your time this evening. I'd just like to start by asking you to tell us a bit about how you got into sound um, and yeah, where you are now. So we'll start with you, Diane, if that's okay. Yeah, hi, it's nice to join you. Um, I, I've been into sound for as long as I can remember from being a kid, seeing things on the television about the Radiophonic Workshop, um, you know, just watching documentaries and things. I kind of got a bit obsessed with it and I was lucky enough to be brought up in a family that were all musicians. So I was constantly surrounded by it. Um, it just seemed normal. So it didn't seem like an unusual thing and it, it's just it's been with me all all my life it took me a while to get into working in it because I didn't know how to it wasn't encouraged people put me off it so it took me a wee while and then I was about 26 27 and I decided I do this for a hobby anyway and I wanted to do it professionally try and make a career of it and that's when I decided to go back to college and actually learn what it was I was doing so it did take a wee while, but that was maybe the best way to do it. I think if I tried when I was 18, I would probably would have just faffed about and not done very well, you know. So it, it's just always been there and I'm really glad I found a way in eventually. Okay, thank you. And uh, Carla? Hello, hello, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, I grew up in a 
in the family uh, with a lot of music as well. Back home in Germany, my dad is a musician and a sound engineer as well. And he's, uh, so he's always like just taken me, taken me to gigs from when I was quite young and I, I was a stagehand or his, um, his studio assistant. Um, and then I took a bit of a detour um, maybe it was an act of rebellion. I didn't want to be what my dad was, so I went to uni and studied to be a teacher for a while, but um, quickly realised that that wasn't going to work out for me because I didn't actually like uh, uni all that much. So um, when I was 22, I moved to Scotland, moved to Glasgow and went to college and became a sound engineer. Fantastic. Good stuff. So... Obviously, we're here today to talk about gender disparity in sound, which has been a long-standing problem. And I want to start off by kind of talking about this commonly quoted 5%, which has been banded around for years now. Now, we do know that the reason it hasn't had any movement or gone up much was that originally it was an estimate due to numbers of women being so low that they actually didn't count them. So... Yes, now that things are highlighted and being counted, that's great, but it is going to take a bit of time to get a real handle on on that and a picture of what that looks like. So really what I want to ask is, in real terms, have you noticed any positive changes in recent years, firstly in numbers of women in each of your fields, and secondly in the attitudes of men that you work with? Um, So... I would say I have noticed a big change, or not a big change, but I have noticed a steady change um, in the life department, at least. Um, yeah, I can see more and more women at gigs um, just coming coming through with touring uh, companies, or even um, or even at venues. Um, you do see more women now. You, you see light and engineers and more sound engineers and um, over the past few years, I've been getting a lot of um, a lot more younger women getting in touch, wanting to shadow or asking how to how to get into the field. So that's really nice. And um, I suppose I've always been quite lucky with really nice attitudes from men towards women in sound. I've not actually worked with um, that many people who had. A bad attitude towards it um I've gotten especially at the start of my career I've gotten a lot of support from people like the black box pro audio people who've who've really you know been very encouraging taken me you know on to shadow um and have given me a lot of have given me a lot of time and work um yeah so that's been really good I think um I think the most um the the worst attitudes I see online usually in discussions online um, and especially when there's um, gigs advertised or when there's positions advertised where they where there's um, that's specifically for women so when I don't know a theatre company is looking specifically for female tech staff um, that's usually when I see the negative attitudes coming up so when there's like positive um, I guess positive discrimination um, that's when the men or some men start starting getting their neckers in a bit of a twist. Well, I think I've seen differences um, depending on which area I'm in. In television, I certainly saw a growth in the number of women working 
And I made a point when I was allowed to get my first assistant, I picked a female. Um, I made quite a point about that to try and grow numbers. But television is different from music. It's a bit more ahead of the game on that front because there are so many women working television anyway. So it, women wouldn't come in and sit down beside me in the studio and be shocked. Whereas in music, I still get that look of, oh, uh, and they don't really know what to say and what to do. So there's definitely a, a, a growth in television in the amount of women who are dubbing mixers. In music, um, live sound, etc. I've seen little bits. Occasionally now, if I'm doing a gig, either playing or working, it's really nice that I will now on occasion see another female, either, you know, doing the desk or in some other capacity. I don't think it's growing as fast as it could be. And there's all sorts of reasons for that. So it would be nice to see it grow faster than it is. And I certainly think from one of my other caps that I wear as a lecturer, I don't see the numbers growing. They have levelled out. There's still the same number approximately of, of girls in a class per year. It, it got to a stage and then it just levelled out, probably at that 5%, to be honest. And I checked this year's last week to see what they were. And again, they're exactly the same. So next year, it will be the same three, four maximum in a class of 20. And that's seen as being really good. So I, I don't really know what the answer is to that. And it may well be that they see things online. And it may well be that the attitude that they encounter online puts them off because it's absolutely right. That's where the worst of it is, without doubt. It's it's just casual most of the time. And you see it and I find myself, and I'm terribly intolerant of it now. I used to always just, ah, water off a duck's back, don't care. I pull it up now. Um, I think that's my age coming through where I'm just like, no, I'm not putting up with this any longer. So the attitudes are definitely getting better. And like Carla, I have worked with some amazing guys and it's never really within the industry, I don't think. Um, I've, many a time guys have stood up for me and when somebody has looked at them for an answer, they've gone, Diane's in charge, that's who you ask. So it's nice that they, but I hate the fact that they have to do that. So I find within the industry itself, we have respect on what we do and are, you know, are treated equally. But those who come into the gig or come into the studio and just look at you like you're an alien from another planet because you're a girl, you know, that's that's the side we have to change is the assumption that always it will be a guy. One of the ones I had, I often short my name to Di, D-I, and I've made a point since this happened not to do it again if people don't know me a band booking to come into the studio to do the recording. And I just kept signing all the emails and stuff. Die. The guy walked in and went, you're no a Welsh bloke. And I was like, no, I'm Diane. I'm a Scottish girl. But they assumed that Die <laughs> was a Welsh bloke. I mean, they were perfectly cool. We all laughed about it. And the guy was, oh, I'm so embarrassed. That's terrible. What a terrible assumption to make and all that. But these are the things. So now I always have to sign my name, Diane. Because you have to kind of, I better warn them, you know, it's crazy. Diane, that might not even work. I've been, there was a gig, I've been emailing back and forth with the band or their promoter or whatever. 
and I mean, I signed my name Carla as it is, but then on the day they came in asking for Carla. Oh, right. <laughs> I know. I, I, like, I was like, I just, what do I, I say? What can I say to this? There's nine times out of ten, there's nothing to say. And that's why we end up laughing about it. And part of that is also, you kind of want to go, no! You don't, you laugh it off and you don't want to create an atmosphere or yeah. make them feel bad. Nine times out of ten, it is a genuine mistake. But yeah, it's just sometimes yeah. where you think, did you not see the A at the end of my name? <laughs> and Carla. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Those are some really good points and some of the things that I want to go on and talk about particularly one thing that you mentioned Carla and it is becoming increasingly common for women now to invite other women to work on their projects you know or for instance um, as you said advertising specifically for a female producer or recording engineer what are your thoughts on that given that you both have as do I really positive experiences with the guys that I've worked with so, you know, is that an effective way to help increase numbers of women in and make them feel that it's a comfortable space? Or should we continue just trying to throw youngsters into that mix where it is quite daunting without other females around? Mm. Yeah, I think there has to be a balance because um, I think it's great when there's projects that are led by women and you know done by a female cast if you will female staff female cast um like the band one of the bands I work with Heisk their new album is being produced and made entirely by women and I think that's great but they had to really go and you know do some research whereas men you know, mixing engineers, uh, mastering engineers, that would be maybe not so hard to find. Like there would, I can, I can name loads from the top of my head. But to find um, a woman um, for these roles was, was a bit harder, but they, they went, you know, went out their way and, um, and found someone. And um, they hired me to be their life sound engineer a few years ago. I mean, because, I mean, I'm good at my job, but also because I'm a woman and they really wanted to work with a woman. And uh, yeah, so that's, I think it's great. I wouldn't have that job otherwise. Um, And I think especially working with an all-female band, it just, it changes the dynamic at the gig. If um, when we come into a venue with Heisk, um, I'm the one dealing with the in-house engineer and they don't have to. The other women in the band, they just don't have to um, deal with that anymore. There's someone with expertise and with, you know, the language that that sound engineer will understand. And I think that makes a huge difference. I think that then makes a difference in how that in-house engineer is going to treat the women in the band and maybe women coming into the venue after us, I think. Yeah, I think that's important is that how we react and how we behave does help the the next people coming along and if we can point out to guys where they've gone wrong and again not necessarily you know through any fault of their own just because they've not realized then that's a big help because they will know in the future best I don't say it like that or use certain expressions and stuff so it does help if we can 
pave the way a wee bit for them. Yeah. Same time, you do need the men on board, though. I wouldn't, um, you know, I wouldn't want to, just as I don't want to feel excluded, I wouldn't want them to feel excluded. And I need the, the men to be um, on board with this, <laughs> with us coming into their, into their space. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. We need them to both support us, but then also yeah. work with us in an absolutely normal environment where it's not them and us or guys versus girls. We're just yeah. doing, we're just doing a job. It's as simple as that. And yeah, we we need them to work with us with that as well. So the other thing I had thought about in recent years, funded initiatives for musicians have really increased in terms of redressing, you know, gender disparity. And they have been hugely successful in pulling numbers up. Do you think that, you know, funded programmes specific to sound roles is something that the industry should be investing a little more in to help push that along? Yeah, I think personal development funding should be more available because there's probably a lot of women who would jump at the chance of, of getting into maybe studio work or even live sound work um but the reality is those entry-level positions are not well paid and often they're not really paid at all if it's shadowing stuff and just kind of assisting um and yeah if you not everyone can afford to um quit their day job and uh go work at a venue three four nights a week and not get paid very much that's just not realistic and at, but at the same time, it would be really great to have um, people with, you know, a little bit more life experience um, starting in these roles, starting in these, you know, low low level um, positions at venues or studios, because it is probably a lot easier to train those people rather than, you know, training someone who's maybe just left school and is a little bit still kind of all over the place, not sure what they want to do. Um, but yeah, so professional development funding would be, or personal development funding would be really, really good to have in that situation. Yeah, I, I totally agree with Carla there. Um, we do need to have the, the, the funding there. For example, when I started out and I first went freelance before I started getting lots of staff jobs, um, there used to be a thing called Women in Business where if you were a woman going into a male-orientated world, now that could be anything from an oil rig to sound engineering, they helped you start your business and with marketing, etc. And that was amazing, the, the, the help that they gave me to set up. I then found out subsequently about 10 years later, it got pulled because it was deemed sexist. Um, and the council were no longer allowed to specify that you were getting money as a woman even though it was to encourage us into these very male-dominated worlds, regardless of what that job was. If I hadn't had that, I would never have gone freelance straight away, which wouldn't have got meant I wouldn't have got the experience and then couldn't apply for those staff jobs, which then helped boost my career, gave me more money, allowed me to work permanently without that initial start. So we do have to encourage people. And when she was saying as well about life experience because I was older when I was going for those first staff jobs I know that that helped me enormously I wasn't seen as a a daft young person just out of school or college 
I had travelled, I had done all sorts of things and that I think helped stop people just seeing me as a female doing the job. I became a person doing the job because I had huge amounts of other experience with things. So I do, again, agree with Carla that that life experience helps us as well. Just to, we've already proven ourselves, if you see what I mean. So, yeah, we shouldn't have to, but that is unfortunately the way of it sometimes. So is there anything in your varied roles that you do personally to try to be proactive and encouraging more women in or, you know, to make sure that you're going a little bit extra to support women who are new to the, the field? And I had a, with um, the people who um, supply the tech side of things of uh, St. Luke's in the East End, that's uh, We Enjoy Sound, the Watson Brothers, Ben and Rory. Um, in 2019, um, Ben and I, set up this um, sort of mentorship, unofficial mentorship program where we um, got a few women, um, young women, and um, yeah, got them into the venue to shadow us um, at at gigs. And Ben is was always felt very, very strongly that they should do most of their shifts with me because I'm a woman and it would be great for them to, you know, see another woman doing what they aspire to do. Um, and we, or Ben, I should say, actually got um, the venue St. Luke's to um, subsidise this position a little bit. So we were able to pay them a small amount of money, you know, at least pay travel expenses and make sure they're fed and stuff like that. So that was really great. Um, and we we kept that going for about a year. And then unfortunately, um, the venue shut down because of the coronavirus but well, that was really great to have. Um, I mean, it's always lovely to have another set of hands at a gig. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's never enough. Um, but yeah, it was just, it was so amazing to, um, I don't know, to teach um, these these girls um, the ropes and like get them to, you know, teach them how to properly label all the things, the cables. Oh, I'm a, I'm a sucker for labels. Uh, so, you know, all these things, it was just really good. And then to get them to like mix the solo support act and just see them do it and see them, you know, go nuts with the effects and be like, yeah, you can do it. It was lovely. Um, I, yeah, and that's when I realized I really enjoy um, the teaching aspect. And um, I got to um, do a few workshops, one with you, Caroline, um, back in, oh, when was that? 2017. Something. Yeah, yeah. That was good, oh, wasn't it? the time's passing too quickly. Oh, sure is. And then I did another one with the um, uh, Scottish Women Inventing Music. Yeah, they did a girl pool at the Glad Cafe um, last year. It was really, really good. Well, it's like that. I'll take part in as many things as I can, um, especially now where education is involved. Last year I spoke at a, what was Women in Media, not specific to sound, to try and encourage and there was myself people women from the BBC from journalism all sorts you know in front of a group of all the local Glasgow schools were invited etc to show them we're all here we've all done it we've all made a success of our various media careers and that was really nice to see how enthusiastic the young girls were just to see us on a stage talking to them and saying you can do this we've all done it there's no reason why you can't. So that's, I always like to take part in things like that because I think a visual side of it is just to see us doing the job 
and saying, look what I've done. It means you need to show off a wee bit, which I've never that comfortable with. You go, well, look what I've done. But it helps and it encourages them. And I really hope one of those, say there was 100 girls in the room, even if five of them, that's that 5%. If five of them go, wow, that's amazing. They've done that. I can do that. So it is really good. And where I can, when I've had opportunities, as I said in, uh, earlier, to hire a female, I have. It has to be on merit as well. You must still hire on merit. Um, but when that opportunity has been there, I've gone, right, I'm, they're getting the opportunity. And actually the other night, I was sitting watching, a, I caught the end of a documentary. I didn't even know what it was about. The girl that I had given her entry job to, I'm going back 10 years or so. There she was, dubbing mixer of the programme. BBC and I was like yes you know there's another you know made a way through all the stages and is now obviously yeah I'm just I'm dubbing now like everybody else so that's what you want to see and it is nice when you hear that it has worked um I've had it as well a lecturer that I'm friends with at university um college level a girl who had I had taught who had gone on to do a degree had said to the male lecturer, the reason I'm here was I had a female lecturer and mentioned me, not realising that we knew each other very well, and said, yeah, it was, I wasn't sure what to do until I joined that college when she was halfway through, I'd swap jobs. And that was really amazing to hear, to get that word back. Um, Lauren saying, do you know that that's what she said? She wasn't going to carry on until you appeared. And she went, oh, I can do this. So it's a visual thing as well to see us doing it. And sometimes that's a problem with engineers. We're always away in dark rooms and little cubby holes at the back of venues. So we're not seen, even when we are there, we're not seen. I kind of think I'm going to be a bright yellow or something from now on so that we're spotted more. Um, and I think that's a huge part of it. And as just doing a job is sometimes good enough. You know, I, I love when I go into a venue and it's a female engineer. I'm like, yeah. Something I can just, you know, talk to on a level as well, professionally. So that's always good. So I think it's a visual thing quite a lot of the time for us just to be seen on the stage. That follows nicely onto the next point that I wanted to pick up. So we've spoken about support, how important it is at college, university level and going into the, the roles when you're shadowing. But do you think that schools still have any role to play and any work to do around changing attitudes a, a little bit earlier so that's sort of embedded in the normality of making a choice in a sound career or any traditional male role yeah i think i mean the attitudes must have changed from certainly when i was at school i mean i was told i went to the careers officer and said i want to be a sound engineer i want to work in studios and I was told two things. That's not really a suitable job for a girl. And you're not good enough at science to do that. Now, what science has to do with sound engineering is beyond me. But that careers officer just heard the word engineer and made an assumption. So at school, I was completely discouraged from it. And, you know, I was told, don't, no, no, don't do that. That has definitely changed. That has gone. But I think there's still... a reticence of a lack of understanding of what the job is and that 
there is absolutely no reason girls can't do it. I mean, I've heard people say, oh, but you need to lift heavy amps. We've got trolleys. It's not. <laughs> we can We've got crew. I know. And believe it or not, sometimes guys are really helpful. If you say, could you lift that for me, please? And they love to show a bit of alpha male and go, no problem. So things like that, it's just, you know, people need to understand it's not rocket science, literally, <laughs> that we're doing. It's, it's possible for anybody to do what we do, anybody at all. Just a bit of lack of understanding sometimes. But I really hope schools have come forward with that now. And I'm sure they have. I Certainly the, the girls I see coming into college are, you know, they're thinking, they don't seem to have been put off in any way. So that's, that's obviously a good thing, but it could still get further to go, I'm sure. Hmm. I didn't really go to school in the UK at all. Um, I could speak about Germany, <laughs> where also I was told I'm not very good at science and my grades <laughs> certainly uh, showed it. Um, yeah, but I think here maybe I would want um, young people to maybe be a little bit more um, interested in being self-employed. And I think there's, for some reason, like even with grown-ups, there's still like this stigma around being self-employed. I mean, at the moment, it's maybe not the best. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, this is not representative of, of what self-employed life is usually like. Uh, because, I mean, I loved it. I loved being self-employed. And I've this, this um, coronavirus job that I have at the moment, customer service representative, um, is the first real job that I've ever had. I've been self-employed all my life. I've, I don't really know any other way. And um, I wish um, schools maybe presented that as a valid option to young people, you know, or t told them a little bit about what that would be like. So almost wrapping up, my next question to pose is what would you both like to see ideally in your respective areas of sound in the next five to ten years? I get just more of us, I think. It, we, our industry changes, it feels at the minute, on a daily basis with softwares and advancements, um, you know, the way things are built, the swap from analogue to digital being pretty much complete now but now digital's taken over. So because it's a constantly evolving um, industry, it just would be nice to see that evolution involve a better balance. I'm not saying it's going to be 50-50. That's a long way off. And I don't think that's achievable in five to 10 years. I really don't. But just to see, if I was to see a class in college of 2025, where eight to 10 of them where girls, I would see that as a huge leap forward, huge. And that's not really asking terribly much, but it is double what I would have now. And maybe in five to 10 years, that's achievable. I don't think 50-50 is yet, but um, that I would take that as an advantage if you know I could just see a better numbers in there. You know, I think I would like to see um, a little bit more... Um awareness and support for um, women who um, are becoming mothers whilst also being sound engineers. I think there's, um, you know, I think most people have now made their peace with the fact that women are going to be behind the desk and doing lights and rigging and whatnot. But um, 
I think, um, yeah, the the transition of like being a, a female sound engineer or a female lighting engineer and then being a female lighting engineer who's pregnant and then will also have a child um, and how that is going to be navigated. Because I think at the moment, the um, assumption is that you're going to stop your job completely. And at what, at what point, I do not know. But, you know, it's, um, and when do you come back and who's going to take care of the child when you're away all night? Um, I think those things are going to be, um, I would like to see the attitude change around that and like just to see how how can we make this industry, um, how can we change this industry so that women can work in it in all stages of their life. Um, and I don't think we should have to leave our job um, because we are becoming mothers or, you know, choosing to become parents when in a, in a different industry you wouldn't have that issue at all you would be able to work through it i recently worked on a program about um female scottish female singer songwriters and that was one of the things that was mentioned did they take um their kids on tour with them and all of them said yeah and the one um annie lennox was on it and obviously her kids are grown up now her daughter's got her own songs mm. in the church now and she yeah. asked them, you know, what did you think of it? And she said, they both said they loved it. They loved the lifestyle of, oh, we're going to yeah. a gig. Because nobody else had that, that they particularly knew. Um, or they get to meet famous people and they would go here and there with the mum. So it wasn't a disadvantage to them at all. Um, and if anything, it probably gave them better experience to move through their careers as well. But you don't ever hear guys getting asked that. Oh, what are you doing with the kids whilst you're on tour? They're never asked that. But every female performer is asked that. What are you doing with your kids? Ask my husband. Yeah. And I think they're really, they're, the, the female musicians, they're really paving the way at the moment, I think, because loads of them are just like, I'm just going to, I'm taking the kid on tour. Where I go, the baby goes deal with it and I think that's that's great we we need that's what we need just people who are unafraid to just and who are in the position to to make these demands as well it's great when um fairly big female musicians are just making these demands I'm gonna come to your venue with my baby and if if it's not set up for my baby then I'm just gonna leave yeah and um, that's exactly yeah. I think what we need <laughs> I can remember years ago watching uh, Top of the Pops just instantly shows how long ago it was and Nina Cherry was on it I think it was Buffalo Stance and she was about eight months pregnant I mean, you couldn't she was huge that caused such a furore what was a pregnant woman doing on top of the pops oh, I, I, it's ridiculous can you remember the papers the next day and me rolling my eyes like bloody Nina Cherry's brilliant how dare they say that who cares if she's pregnant she looked great but that now, you know, that then a pregnant woman shouldn't have been on stage. It's crazy. It, I mean, top of the pops, five minutes miming. It's not exactly you know, dangerous to, to the child, but that that was the attitude, and that we, we seriously need to change that nonsense that we're suddenly incapable because we're either pregnant or, or have children. You know, it's, it's just daft. 
That actually follows on very nicely to the last thing that I wanted to ask you both. Um, and it's about women who have inspired you or that you feel are a pioneer in sound. Because for me, Carrie Keys was the first person that really made me sort of stop and think, you know, oh, not only was she a mother, she's a grandmother and she's still out on tour, you know, That's running yeah, monitors yeah. for Peril Jam and doing all that she does with Sound Girls as well. Yeah, I was just wondering if either of you had anyone similar or somebody that you admired. I'm going to let Carla go first. She's the younger of us. <laughs> all right. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, yeah, I had, I actually have someone who, I, you know, is someone who I've never met. Um, her name is Shona Steadman, and I had to ask someone her name today because I never knew her name before. Uh, but she was like the first, um, the first female sound engineer that I saw in Glasgow, uh, you know, when I, when I started working um, in the sound. And it was, I think it was, I killed her connections one year and I saw her doing the monitors on the stage and I was like, whoa there's another one. She's like me. I could be like her. And um, then when I was working for Crew Tech, I would like see her at D-Rigs or Rigs sometimes. And she would like, she, she would have all these like crew guys in front of her telling them what to do, you know, making, making sure that no one broke her equipment and stuff. And I was like, Jesus, you're just so cool. <laughs> and I just thought, I want to be like her. Yeah, she's well cool. I've never met her. <laughs> I am of an age, even I, I, I honestly, you warned us of these questions and I sat and I was like, come on, there must be somebody, Diane. And there just, there wasn't, not in sound terms, music terms, yes, absolutely. Looking at, you know, Annie Lennox, Kate Bush, um, Chrissy Hind, all of them that were seeming to be doing it their way and not compromising. So they were a definite inspiration, but in sound terms, no, not until I got older and I saw or I understood through Daphne or Ram and people like that had been in the past and started to educate myself on the fact that they did exist. We just didn't see them and we didn't know about them. But then at college, I was sent up to STV to do some work experience. I, oh, I begged, can I go to the sound? Can I go to the sound department? Can I go to the sound department? STV, I must have driven my lecturer mental about this. I didn't know they had a female engineer, Amanda. Um, and I remember walking in and just being dumbfounded. Somebody else who's a woman does this job that I didn't think any other woman on the planet did because I hadn't seen them. And there she was sat there blathering away to Kyle, Carol Spiley, who was an advert they were doing. And I was just blown away. And that in itself made me go, Right, I can do this. I know I can do this because she's doing it. Amanda's doing it. I've met her several times since then. Um, and there are many other female dubbing mixers who I've met. But just that one day of work experience and going up and going in and seeing that there was another woman there was outstanding. But unfortunately, and I wish they had been there. I wish I could have looked at school to see that. And, but they just... They just weren't uh, there at all, unfortunately, in those days. I know now they were, but they just were never spoken about. And I used to watch things always about the radiophonic workshop. That was always my thing. 
anything I saw about it coming on, <laughs> I would watch it. But so rarely did they mention people like Daphne or Am. It was always the guys. Or they talk about the programme specifically rather than focusing on people sometimes. So it took me going and researching to find that out because it just wasn't visible then. Didn't have internet. It's totally different now. I didn't have YouTube to go and look up and find these things out. If it wasn't on BBC One or STV, you didn't see it. So in that way, technology has made such a difference because you can now look up these pioneering women and they're there. They're on YouTube, what they've achieved, what they've done. There is documentaries made about them and you can find them, but it was difficult when I was young. It really was. Well, thank you both very much. Um, it's been very interesting um, and a good laugh. Um, <laughs> hope you have an amazing International Women's Day. Yes. In part two, Susan Baer joins us. Suze is a Glasgow-based musician, sound designer and producer. Having toured extensively as a member of Pictus Trail, The Pastels and with Tracy Ann and Danny, she also recently released new material as Good Dog on Lost Map Records. She's a member of the Creative Scotland-funded collective Hen House and has many sound design credits, including the recent Scenes for Survival with National Theatre of Scotland in response to the pandemic. Hi Suze, thanks for joining us. I would just like to start off by asking you to say a little bit about yourself and how you got into sound. Sure, uh, hello. Um, I am a sound designer, um, producer and composer and I work in music and theatre um, and a little bit in uh, games. Um, and what I do just now is I, I write music and sound for theatre, obviously not so much just now because of the um, current circumstances of lockdown. Um, but I also uh, write music sometimes for uh, games and films and make sound for that as well. And when I'm not doing that, I work as a performing musician, um, which obviously also just now is not quite happening. Um, but yeah, very, very pleased to be doing all of that as a job. It's what I've always wanted to do, so very grateful. And I wanted to start talking about, first of all, the commonly quoted figure of 5% women in sound. Now, it's been banded around for quite a few years. And obviously, we know now that it was an estimate at the time, just because numbers of women were actually so low in the field that they didn't count or measure it at all. Um, so we know now it is being counted. It's going to take time for that picture to become clear. But in real terms, what do you think? Have you noticed any positive changes in the numbers of women in the field that you work with or attitudes of men when you're working with them? I, I definitely have in the past kind of 10 years while I've been working in sound and audio and, and music, um, noticed a, an absolutely massive difference in the amount of women working in the area um, that I do and um, the amount of kind of uh, people, women I have to look up to in, in the area as well and also younger women coming into the field as well which is like absolutely amazing and sometimes I have to kind of um, check that my memories are right that like you know like 15 years ago there literally wasn't a woman doing what I, I couldn't actually see a woman doing what I wanted to do and now I'm like, oh, that can't have been right. But actually it was right. And it's only in the last 10 years that there's uh, more visibility of women working in, you know, sound and te uh, audio tech. 
and even in performing music, to be honest. Um, so I definitely have noticed a huge, like a huge difference, um, like an unbelievable difference. There's obviously still a lot to a lot to do and a lot um, of change to happen um, for equality to be achieved. But uh, yes, I definitely notice a, a, a large difference to the amount of women. Cool. And um, what about attitudes of men that you work with? Do you think the attitudes now around are different than they were? Totally, yeah, I, I do. And um, I think that uh, like when I first started doing uh, sound and audio stuff, um, I uh, I always just felt like the kind of odd one out or like a kind of talk, like a kind of novelty person around because I was always working with groups of men. Um, and now I actually predominantly work in groups of women, which is absolutely mad and great. Um, but I think I've noticed now that when I... Um, talk about my experiences to male friends who work in in the area or colleagues. Um, they kind of uh, listen and and take my experiences seriously about perhaps there not being such visibility in the past because it is such. I think it. I hope now that it's such an established thing um, within sound and music that we do not have equality and this is a problem because of you know the amount of. Um, kind of uh, diversity initiatives that companies have taken and funding initiatives that have been kind of uh, advertised to, to kind of like um, equalise the, the playing field or whatever the saying is. And I think people are genuinely aware that, oh, um, there is a problem, but I don't think that um, men perhaps realise what it was like, like really what it was like 10 years ago. And I think a lot of um, my male friends and colleagues are seeing kind of... Uh, things now and thinking like there is a problem now but um it's a little hard to get across how how it was 10 years ago although I do feel more kind of believed when I talk about my experiences as literally being the only woman in a college course like now that's you know a, a, yeah not not question like you know I don't get oh really whereas I used to get that maybe five years ago it's like the or or I think um there's maybe some compassion that goes with uh, it. when I tell that when I've told that story, I maybe get a bit more of a compassionate response rather than like, oh right, Do you know, as in like, oh that must have affected you because you can't be what you can't see. Like if it's all men around you, how are you meant to know that you're meant to be there? Um, so I, I definitely have noticed changing attitudes, um, but yes, I think uh, mostly positive changing attitudes. I do also notice that there is maybe a slight. Um, trend of or or a, a few people I've spoken to seem to think that there are now less opportunities for men because there are so many kind of you know funding for only women or opportunities for only women or you know Girls Rock Glasgow which only uh, supports women and non-binary people uh, and that that's a problem and and I think that's just because they don't realize what it was like 10 years ago and they're seeing the change and thinking like well, I want these opportunities. And um, I guess it's really hard for people to understand, like understand things that they've never experienced. Um, and I guess you have to be compassionate towards that. But it, that's a little bit frustrating um, because things are still, you know, there, there isn't equality. And these, these initiatives are needed to, to create equality. Um, but generally, yes, I've noticed a positive positive change in men's attitudes um, towards women in music and the problem of equality in, in music and music tech. So following on from that, do you think 
that it is an effective way to help because it's becoming increasingly common for women to invite other women to work alongside them in their projects, specifically asking for, you know, female recording engineers, mixing engineers, whatever. Is this a good way to go? I definitely think so, yeah. I think until we have equality, we have to kind of favour people that don't haven't had the same opportunities. Um, and if that, you know, means inviting women, you know, kind of favouring women in an in industry where there is just not enough, then yes, I think that's a, a really positive thing. Um, you know, there's a lot of people around that are like, oh, I don't see different people. I just pick the best person in the, for the job. And that's uh, that's bullshit <laughs> because everybody has their own kind of like internalized biases. And if you've grown up only seeing like a certain type of person do something, of course, you're going to believe that that person is better, you know, like, and, and I think like, uh, I, like I definitely have got to where I am because of women believing in me and, and women offering me job opportunities and because my confidence wasn't as, not my ability, but my confidence wasn't as um, great as it might have been for somebody that was, uh, you know, 23 year old and, and male because of, um, just because of visibility of, of women uh, around me not not being there. Um, so I think it's a really important thing to kind of encourage women into jobs in an area where there isn't equality. Definitely. The funded initiatives that have been really popular in recent years for musicians and used to sort of redress the balance in music overall seem to really have done the job. You can see things shifting. Do you think that funding specifically aimed at supporting people into sound roles would be a good way to kind of push this 5% figure up? Yeah, I think... um I know like PRS for music have kind of the women women in music um, fund for kind of female um, and non-binary artists. Um, but in terms of like getting into audio and audio tech and sound tech, I think some kind of funding initiatives to help that would be really, really useful. Um, I think um, that's perhaps lagging behind the um, kind of performance side of things with, with equality, equality. And I think... Um, can't actually think of any funding initiatives that help specifically women get into sound or sound engineering, um, and that's de- like desperately needed because um, that that's an area where I still see kind of mostly men, um, which is bizarre when everything else seems to be kind of whoop, shifting and shaping. Um, but yeah, I, I, I would love to see more funding initiatives to help women get into sound, and I cannot, yeah, I cannot think of one single fund that helps do that. Are, are there any? I don't think so. I've, I've, you know, I look know. quite regularly, um, just obviously for opportunities through that sound, um, and no, nothing that I have found as yet. So, I wonder if that's like, do you know, like. You know, like Smirnoff Ice had their campaign, like equalising music, like, hey, let's find more female artists. Like that um, obviously helps their brand to be seen as they're, you know, doing something mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, they're like on on point with like topics that people care about. But like, um, obviously, like musicians and artists are more like at the front of things. And there's if there's change at the top there with the artists, it might take a little longer to get down to kind of like, the the roles that help support artists like the sound engineering yep. and things like that and it's not as um, eh, what's the word I'm looking for 
like maybe Smirnoff Ice wouldn't benefit, it wouldn't help their ad campaign so much because people don't understand what a sound engineer does. They'd be like, equalizing sound engineers for, I don't understand what this is. Equalizing music for female artists. Yes, of course, I understand. So perhaps it's to do with with that because I think a lot of change comes from companies, realize, in general, change comes from like companies realizing they can make money from actually selling the same, or, you know, like um, selling the same product to like another a whole other group of people like or or being seen to be doing something positive uh, change wise but um if the if the public doesn't understand what a role is which i think perhaps sound engineering and sound audio technology is just a yeah uh, maybe misunderstood it's behind role. the curtain it's like <laughs> exactly yeah exactly yeah it's a background role that um people have no idea is happening i guess like when people hear a song, they just think, oh, that's, that's how the song always existed, like that. <laughs> like by that's, magic. That's not true. <laughs> that's maybe not true, um, that people think that. That's what I think when I watch a film, though. I'm like, these images have already existed in in the world, like, together. Nobody's put this together, but you have to remember there's been an editor and there's been camera people and stuff. And uh, But anywho, yeah. So in terms of encouraging more women and non-binary folks into these roles, is there anything that you do personally to be proactive in trying to encourage other people? I think like um, I'm part of a few groups on Facebook, like 2% Rising, which is for uh, like um, female producers and things. And uh, I've uh, just just uh, joined a kind of um, all-female non-binary uh, songwriting and production collective called Hen Hoos in Scotland, which is amazing. And I think uh, just like little subtle things, like when working with people or when working with women, just like be positive and encourage people, especially when it comes to like the kind of technical things, because you never know, like all the women I work with are amazing, but you never know how much... Uh, like experience people have had or and I know like in jobs and in life it's like good to be competitive but also it's really good to support people and um, give compliments and let people know that they're doing a really good job because people might not have had that throughout their time working in that area and I'm only saying that because I I didn't when I was younger um, and I really uh, you know, flourished, I think, when I met women like me who gave me compliments on my work. I was like, oh, that really means a lot. So I think giving that back to people you're working with, even if it's people who are really experienced, but just finding things to be positive about in their work um, can can really help encourage people to uh, keep going um, when there might be other barriers around them which are telling them the opposite, which is not seeing other women around them that are doing production or sound engineering. Um, so I think... Um, although that's a small wee thing, I think that's something I, I, try, I try and do um, when I'm working with other women, or pe- people generally, but particularly women, I think, because I, I know it's important. And in terms of changing attitudes earlier in life so that people do have more confidence, do you think that schools have a role to play there? Yeah, definitely. I think um, in an ideal world, all opportunities would be presented to all people, regardless of gender, background, ethnicity, but that's not the way the world works. And um, there is obvious stereotyping that still goes on um, to put um, you know categories of people into certain types of jobs, and that's bloody rubbish because that limits people's opportunities and means people aren't maybe doing the thing that they would like to do. Um, and I think, yeah, school, that is surely like the the mate, the job of a school, obviously to educate kids, but also to make sure they have the best, the, the start that they want in life. And if opportunities aren't presented to them um, or 
or what what is out there in the world isn't presented to them um, while they're while they're in school, then that's that's uh, not fair at all. So I think they have a massive responsibility to present options um, to kids and how to get and how to get there, um, the routes that are available um, to do these jobs. Um, aye. Um, and ideally, what would you like to see in your your area, your areas of sound in the next five to ten years? In the next uh, five to ten years, I'd really like to see more of the same positive change in a direction where in sound and music there's more equality across the board and that's um, gender equality uh, and, you know, uh, it's like also uh, more equality in terms of like people from different backgrounds are able to get into sound and the arts because um, I know uh, it's like not easy to get into and... Uh, yeah, I've seen loads of positive change in the past 10 years, but I'd just like to see that continue. And I think the more confident and, um, you know, the better my career goes, I'm trying not to forget like how difficult it was back back in the day and remember that there's still a lot of change to be done. Um, it's obviously easy to remember. There's wee things that pull you out of like, oh, uh, you know, you see stats on the internet or you get a little little comment that reminds you Um Ah uh, yes, I'm not the norm here, um, but I would like for these to go away and for um, the world to stop having conversations about, oh, there's only, you know, like, um, what is it, like 4% of producers and this is this is not the right statistic, but a very small amount of producers made the kind of, in the Billboard Top 100 and or something, something like that, you know, that's, that's, that's rubbish. Um, and for you know, heads of music companies to be women and for uh, you know, the whole industry to change. And you know, I think we're in change at the moment, um, but I would love to see in the next 10 years the result of all these amazing initiatives that are happening. Uh, yeah, that's what I would like. And lastly, pick a pioneer. Do you have a female pioneer in sound or just anybody in general that inspired you? To do what you do, I um I uh, I do have a, a pioneer, and it's it's actually my friend Kim Moore. She's a um, composer for theatre and film, and she's absolutely the most encouraging person I've ever met. And she gave me um, my first opportunity to work doing theatre sound design. I'd never done it before, and trusted that I could do it. When I was like, I can't do this, and she was like, It's fine, you can do it. Um, and that is the only reason I'm kind of working, doing what I'm doing today. And um, she's just like a, a really good mentor and somebody who I can talk to um, and has had all sorts of experiences working in sound and music as a woman and has loads of experience in general. So she's just a really good person to have around to talk to. But she is um, really fierce and she just does it. And seeing somebody that was doing that was really important for me when I was a you know, 24-year-old um trying to get into kind of other areas of sound and music rather than just other than just playing in bands because I, I I was wanting to do it like as a as a career um not that you can't have a career playing in bands but um there's perhaps more uh, sort of stability in in other areas of, of sound and music um but yeah Kim Moore is an absolute boss uh, and I'm very grateful to her uh, other yeah I definitely wouldn't be doing what I'm doing uh, today if it wasn't for her and her music's amazing. You should check it out. Well, thank you very much. I hope you have an amazing International Women's Day. Okay, nice one. Thanks very much. <laughs> <laughs>